I want to talk to you today about the illusionist. How many of you have enjoyed this series? You gotten a little out of it? I hope you have. And uh, obviously, I'm not going to rehash everything that uh, Pastor David and Pastor John have said. I taught them everything they know, so it, I already know it. But <laughs> No, I'm just joking. But I, I do want to, to, to make you understand and realize some things today on a big scale, not a small scale, not on an individual, well, the devil does this or he tries to. I want to look at something in a broader context today that I think will help you realize some things. And really, I want to tell you what it'll do. It'll help you understand life and really what life is all about and how real life uh, should be lived. The illusionist is the one who's hidden but living in plain sight. Hidden but living in plain sight. I was watching television years ago on I forgot PBS or one of those stations. I don't remember which one it was. Now they were had they were doing having these magic tricks, and you probably already heard a little bit about different things like that. But but they made an elephant appear in the middle of a parking lot. One minute he's not there. Next minute, he's there. Now, it didn't puff, and there he was in the midst of it. There had to be an elaborate operation for it. And so basically, they had all these people who lined up all around this uh, little t- this tent. And the tent was laying down flat so you could see all of it, and you could see the people lined up around it. And so then they put this tent up. And then, uh, you know, he said abracadabra, whatever he did, and the tent dropped, dropped, and there in the middle of a parking lot was an elephant. Now, if you just watch that, you'd look at that and you'd say, wow. But here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing about that. The elephant was in plain sight the whole time. You just weren't looking at it. In fact, I actually found it online where they revealed how they did it. And off to the side of the parking lot, they had this um, little enclosure, and it was painted, like, and it looked just like the rest of the landscape. And, and, and so once they laid all those curtains down and they raised them up while he was doing his abracadabra, they just walked the elephant right into the tent. He was in plain sight, but nobody saw him. And then they dropped it, and voila, there's an elephant in the middle of a parking lot. But here's the thing, okay? This is what you got to understand about this, okay? First of all, it was hidden in plain sight. It was there the whole time. It didn't appear out of somewhere. It was just... In the corner of the parking lot. The second thing about it was that he had to have accomplices in order to produce his magic trick. This illusion. He had to have accomplices. And so those people that were supposedly surrounding that tent were in on it. Sounds like the devil, doesn't it? And the third thing was he had to have a distraction. To keep, him, keep you from looking where you should be looking. 
How did he do that? Well, first of all, he had all those people. Then he had some skimply, skimply, is that right? Is that the way you say that? Women would not marry many clothes on. <laughs> and so eyes were diverted. Now, I know it wouldn't have been any years, but, but, but eyes were diverted. So there were distractions, okay? Now, to be honest with you, I could preach, just take this and, and show you how the illusionist works, how the devil works, because that's exactly how he works. He's always around. Don't kid yourself, okay? He always has to have accomplices. There's always somebody there working. I know in your life, there's never, they're never there, but they are, and the other thing is he's got to have distractions so you don't pick up on who he really is. Now, that being said, I want to talk to you about something today that, that is real basic, okay? But you need to hear this because sometimes we're living our lives in such a way that we don't really perceive and understand what the real overall values of life are and the real core factors of life so i'm going to show you some things today that 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 we have to live and operate by and the whole world lives and operates by these core factors okay bottom line everybody whether you're a christian or whether you're not everybody lives by certain core factors and you've got to understand these because the devil is trying to hide those core factors from you and distract you and point to something else. But if you will keep your perspective right and understand where he is and where he's coming from and what his motives are, then you won't get caught in that trap. The devil wants to pervert, then manipulate people for his purposes. Bottom line, okay? Okay, but here's the thing. There are core facts, if you understand these, will help you avoid that happening in your life. Okay? Number one, you've got to understand something. Listen to me today, Christians. Okay? If you're not a Christian and you're here today, I've got an explanation of life for you, and it's pretty simple. Number one, there was creation by God. If you don't think it, listen, that is one of the most disputed facts in the world. Why? Because it's a distraction. Because if you understand creation, then you understand where the devil came from. You understand his motives and you understand his purposes. Secondly, you have to understand that after creation, God made covenant with man. That there is a relationship that God cares about man, made a covenant with man so, through Abraham so that he could bring his son into the earth for us. Got to hear that. So that you and I could be redeemed or bought back to what God has for us and what God wanted for us. And then the last portion of this is the end of this thing is eternity. Okay, and you don't disappear into eternity. You either go and live in eternity with the Father or you don't. Okay, so you've got to understand there are core factors 
in life. Now, see, everybody's got an explanation, but here's the difference. We have a document. We have a document. Well, you know, the Bible's been disputed. Well, sure, it can be disputed. There are lots of things about creation you can dispute. Well, the earth is more than 7,000 years old. I don't doubt it one bit. God, the Bible doesn't say God created the earth when he created man. In fact, the Bible actually says that what God did was he restored the earth for man. Okay, Core factors. You say, well, that's so long ago. But you're living the life that long ago created. You've got to understand that. You've got to realize that. Once you understand that, then you can understand what, what God wants to do. Everything that happened in the beginning, and everybody, you know, even non-Christians know about Adam and Eve. And they know that, that Eve, but both of them, Adam and Eve, were deceived by Satan. Okay. See, these are core factors of life. They're not just core factors of what we believe as religion. This is life. This is how life works. Okay? So the thing you've got to understand is this, and I'm not going to try to teach on this today. You can go on, my web, on the website and find, find where I've taught on this before. But let me just give you some facts, all right? Number one, the earth is more than, than 7,000 years old. God didn't create the earth when he created man. In fact... God was instructing man to re-inhabit the earth. Well, that must have been, meant it had been inhabited before. It had been. Well, we find about all these dinosaurs and all these, all these different things from thousands and thousands of years ago, 10,000 B.C. Listen, there's no doubt in my mind from the Word of God that that was the case. In fact, if you will really study the Word of God, or find, I, you just have to find it because I'm not going to go into it today. But let me just explain it to you this way. There was an angel, and his, he was called Lucifer. And Lucifer had a kingdom. And that kingdom that he had was on the earth. And there were animals on the earth. There were beings on the earth. They did not have the soul that you have. They did not have God's spirit that you have, but they were on the earth. But something happened. Lucifer decided he wanted to be like God. Now, I'm giving you, these are core factors, folks. You say, well, I don't believe any of that. Well, listen, when you take your last breath, you're going to say, Pastor Sam was right. <laughs> it's not because I'm right, but because we have a document. Okay, so, so Lucifer is over this kingdom, but then he decided he wanted more. Why did he want more? You know what I believe? I believe because he found out God was going to create man in his image. Now, God never changes. I just want to tell you something. What he starts, he finishes. He's very patient. He's very long-suffering. But what he starts, he finishes. The Bible says that because of that rebellion, he and one-third of the angels were cast down to the earth. I believe from the Word of God that, it, that, there was, that the Bible says that God turned the world upside down. 
You know what would happen if you turned the earth upside down? You'd have an instant ice age. Isn't that interesting? You ever wonder why the earth is tilted this way instead of this way? You didn't even know that, did you? In relationship to the sun. Okay. So what did God do? All right. He's got a rebellion. He cast down those angels. He cast down Lucifer to the earth. The Bible says that the earth was without form and void. It was there, but it had nothing. So what did God do? Just start it all over again. Just start all over again. He cleared out a spot and he called it what? Garden of Eden. Then he breathed into man. Then Eve. And all of a sudden he has, he has a people. Now, now that, you say, well, man, that's, that's pretty wild. Well, it may sound wild to you, but I want to tell you the bottom line is that it's a core factor. It's a core principle of where we are today. Well, we're so far away from that, not really. Really, it's not that far at all. If you talk about eternity. So God just said, okay, I'm going to start this thing all over again. But here's the problem. Now, on this earth that he has, he also has cast all of these angels, all these spirits, not just angels, and I don't want to get into that today, but on, are now on the earth, but... He creates man and says, you've got dominion over all of it. You've got authority over all of it. Until the illusionists came and deceived Adam and Eve, and they literally turned over part of their authority to the devil. Not complete authority, but part of their authority to the devil. He became a part of of a 7,000-year-old period that God established for man to live on the earth. Okay. So show me some scriptures I'm not going to. I just don't. I got too much to go over. I just can't do that today. Okay. So, so bottom line, you, you've got to understand that's, those are core factors. So you can figure out how the world is. and You can think about all this stuff. But bottom line, it's been operating the same way since day one. Well, man's gotten smarter. We've gotten more information. Nobody's gotten any smarter. Okay? Just so you know, nobody's any smarter. We just got more information. We've got more knowledge. We've had time to build on knowledge. Okay. So let me give you some core facts about his operation. Okay? First of all, he is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He didn't know what I was preaching this morning. Well, we advertised it. Another thing. He's not omnipresent. He's not in Lake Charles. I know some of you think he is. I know that you think he lives next door to you, but he doesn't. He's not all-knowing, and he's not all-present. Here's something else you need to understand. This is a very mistaken idea that people have. The devil, now listen to this, does not, nor has he ever 
ruled hell as his domain. I don't know how many people think the devil's in charge of hell. He's not in charge of hell. Jesus has the keys of death and hell. It is, hell is an abiding place that God created. And by the way, it's temporary. Half of it's already closed. Huh? When Jesus was raised from the dead, all of the righteous who had been in that place, in a place of peace, were literally taken out and went to heaven with Jesus. Now all that's left is a place of torment, which is really just the beginning of the future. The devil has no power down there. He's not in charge. He doesn't say, you can go, you can come out, you can... Nothing. I was watching one of these uh, documentaries on the Hells Angels one time, and they were interviewing one of the, the guys, and he was talking about all this stuff. He says, yeah. He said, I can't wait to die and party in hell with the devil. Hey, trust me. He's not going to be there, and there's no party. You think there's no party. Interesting. But we have this idea, somehow he's got his little place down there. And he, you know, oh, he, you know, you go down there, you're going to see the devil. No, you're not going to see the devil. He's, his goal would be for you to go there because eventually, guess where he's going to go? Not there, but worse. So right now, that place that we call hell or Hades, is literally a holding place for the unrighteous dead until Satan and his angels are thrown into the lake of fire at the end of this period. You got it? Guess what? They're not going to be by themselves. Because at the end of that period, those that are in that place will go there as well. It's called the great white throne judgment in the Bible. And in the great white throne judgment, everyone who has been in hell will come before God. Think about it this way. Think about this. All of these people are in torment in hell. And they're going to be raised from the dead. Imagine the feeling they're going to have. Thank God I'm out of this. I'm free of this. I'm raised from the dead. And then they're going to stand before the Father. And guess what? They will be cast into that same lake of fire that the Bible says, Jesus himself said, not just the Bible. In general, Jesus said in Matthew 25, 41, that it was reserved, it was built, it was made for the devil and his angels. But if you're following him, that's where you go. Well, you don't want to talk about hell. Why? I don't want anybody to go to hell. It's forever. Core fact. It's going to happen. Satan's rule is in the atmosphere and in the hearts of people who yield to him. The Bible talks about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and wicked spirits in high places. Okay. 
They roam, looking, seeking those that they can devour. Here's some good news for you. I mean, I'd like to have some good news out of this. Okay? The good news is there are only so many spirits. They do not multiply. So the more Christians they are, the less influence they have. They can only be in one place at one time as even as the population grows, their strength is weakened. So what do they do? They try to build walls through religions that will keep people away from the truth. They can't manipulate them personally anymore, so they create religions to keep them away from the truth. That's why we go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's why right now we're, we're supporting people, in pa- uh, a couple in Pakistan. They have done four crusades and over 200,000 people have gotten saved in a nation that you're not supposed to preach the gospel. The devil doesn't have to be there. All he has to do is keep the gospel out. Because he's not, he's not growing. Oh, the devil's getting more power. No, it's not true. It's not true. He's limited. He's very limited. He does have limited capabilities. But he does not have control over you unless you allow it. Let me, make it let, me, let me give you another statement. The devil can't do anything. People do. If the devil could do it without you or without a person, he'd do it. He can't do anything without people. He can't do it himself. He does it through people. Demons can't do anything. Without people. They can cause fear. If they can cause fear, they can cause control. But they can't do anything without a person. You remember when Jesus cast that legion out of the man? Do you know what they said? Give us another body. Give it, put it, let us go. We'll go into the pigs. We'll go anywhere. Just don't cast us somewhere where we can't, because we can't do anything. Is this a Presbyterian church? It's awfully quiet in here. So just so you'll know, there are some facts Some core factors that you need to understand. Yes, he is an opponent. He is an adversary, the Bible says. But it's interesting because that word adversary literally means an opponent in a lawsuit. He's a prosecutor trying to prove something against you. He's trying to tell you who you aren't. No, that's not you. No, you can't be. No, I know you, you say you're a Christian, but you know this. and Well, you know, you, you do this, or you behave like this, or you said this. You're not a Christian. If you're a Christian, you wouldn't do all this. He's always trying to overtly or covertly to get you to back off of who you are as a child of God. All right, here's something else. His primary mode of operation 
is temptation. Listen. The Bible says, Jesus said, I can help you in a time of temptation. It says that in Hebrews chapter, I'm paraphrasing, but Hebrews chapter 12, I think it is. He said, I can help you in a time of, of, of temptation. And I was praying one day, and the Lord said, Son, I can forgive you if you fall into temptation, but I would rather help you stay away from it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our debts, and we forgive those who trespass against us. All right, lead us. Yeah. See, the, the key is, to understand one of the core factors about the devil is his primary mode of operation is temptation. Putting something in front of you that is contrary to God's purpose, plan, and will for your life. To get you in a place where you are compromised. He did it with Adam and Eve. It's really three things, okay? And John, 1 John brings it out very clear. It's the lust of the flesh. I don't need to tell you what the lust of the flesh is, do I? You know. It's the lust of the eye. You want it. Yeah, that's why you're still paying on that car. It's seven years you're paying on a car that quit running two years ago. <laughs> okay. You wanted it. And don't feel bad about that. I had a pastor, I mean a minister friend of mine years ago who bought an airplane. And he got stuck with it. And somebody asked him, and I was there, why did you do that? And he looked at me, he looked at him and says, because I wanted it. It's called the lust of the eye. And the other one, and it's the most dangerous, is called the pride of life. I can handle this. I can do this. That's exactly what the serpent in the garden did to Adam and Eve. Pride, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. Remember what it said about the fruit? It was pleasant. To the eye. It will make you like God. Pride of life. You say well that, that was way back there. Alright let me get a little closer then. The same thing happened to Jesus. Three things the devil tempted him with. Lust of the flesh. You hungry? Make that stone bread. Let me show you all these kingdoms. They can all be yours if you bow down, lust of the eye. Jump off this building. You know God will protect you, pride of life. And it's the same thing that he deals with us all the time. That's why you need to hear from the Holy Spirit. That's why you need to know the Word of God. And that's why you need to be in church and be around people who live for God. Because when temptation comes, you need to be able to run from it. You need to be able to back off from it. And don't allow the enemy to say, well, everybody's doing it. That's, that's one of the most dangerous statements. Everybody's doing that. Well, everybody, well it's no big deal. There was a church girl. Her parents were actually in our church for, many, for years. And, and she, um, sweetest girl, just sweet girl. Next time I saw her, she had her teeth, almost all her teeth were gone. She down to skin and bones. Because one time she tried crack cocaine. One time. 
But how many of you know it wasn't one time? So, well, I would never do that. Listen, it may not even be that deep, but if you just keep doing it and you know it's wrong, then you're in, you're, you put yourself in a place where the enemy can control your life because that's what he's after. He's trying to tempt you. He's trying to get you to do something contrary to the purposes and the plans of God to pervert the truth. Listen, to pervert the truth into a lie. Now, listen, let me explain it to you this way. He works to control the operation of mankind away from core factors of his existence. That's why he's always trying to pervert the truth into a lie. Always. Why are you surprised that people are getting away with lies today? It's not hard to figure out, folks. These are core factors. You, you say, well, it's, it's the Democrats, or it's the Republicans, or it's this, or it's that. No, it's the devil. It's his life, his lifestyle. And every person, and sadly, even some Christians, have allowed themselves to get on board with him. Don't be fooled by that. Don't, real, don't think that, well, this is where we are in our nation today is just, it's just unprecedented. You're mistaken. It's not unprecedented. <laughs> We're just, I know this sounds, I don't want to be too harsh because I do believe God's using America, but we're just a blip on the radar. We're, we're, our, our nation is not that old compared to civilization. Are y'all still with me? So you've got to understand and realize that the enemy has a, a, a flow, a way of operating that you and I need to understand. And if we'll understand it, <clears throat> then we won't get caught up in it. We won't get bound up in it. Because listen, here's the thing you've got to know about the devil. I mentioned this, but I just want to jump back into it. I just felt prompted to jump back into it for a minute. His goal is to rule the world. But here's the thing. His destiny's already set. But he still thinks he can stop that destiny. God's already declared his end. It's over. You don't believe it? Go read Revelations. It's over. But he has this idea that he can gain control. Listen to me. He can gain control of the world. And that if he can find a man that he can control, he can operate through him, and it's called the Antichrist. But see, God's already got this thing. He already knows. He's already told you, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to happen. Why? Because he has to use men, and he's still trying to make himself something he's not so that he can have control and have dominion. Somehow he thinks this place still belongs to him. This place doesn't belong to him. I don't belong to him. 
But you've got to know and understand these are core factors. These are not. And if you look at it from that standpoint, then when you look up and you see all the things going on in the, in the world, in America, and, and you're thinking, wow, man, it's getting really bad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why do you want to say that? Why God's going to work. God's working. There are other factors that you don't even know about. God's, there's revival going on in the world right now. So you've got to know that there is a big difference. There are core factors working, and you've got to see those because you'll get blinded. You'll get blinded by politics. Or you'll, read, you'll, you'll watch the news and think it's the truth. <laughs> I read that on the Internet. You better be reading your Bible. You better be in church where you can hear the truth because that dispels the lies. I tell you, I get on our, uh, to, to the church in, in Shreveport all the time about stuff like quit arguing on Facebook about politics. Who are you? Who are you? Because I want to tell you something. If the devil can get you to arguing about something, get you in strife about something, he's got you right where he wants you. He's got you right where he wants you. But I want to tell you, that's not where God wants you. I, I love, a, there's a scripture. And I, well, let me read it to you. Isaiah 14, verse 16. I love this scripture. I, I better read one so you won't get mad at me for not using the scripture today. But Isaiah prophesied this, and it says, Is this the man who made the earth to tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Is this the man? This is the devil? This is the one that, so many people have fallen for? Uh, really? We don't give him a place of honor. We don't give him a place. Now, I know the Bible says that, that you, you have to be careful about how you deal with the devil, and I believe that. But I want to tell you something. Listen to me. He is a defeated foe. He is a defeated foe. If you will walk in what God has given you to walk in as a child of God, you will find out that life will be a lot simpler for you. Doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges in your life. Doesn't mean they're not going to be, th- but it will be a lot simpler. It will be black and white. It will not be gray. Well, I wonder about this. I wonder about that. Because you'll know by the Holy Spirit what God has for you. So don't get caught up in that. Don't get, get, get your life caught up to the point that you can't understand and realize that, hey, you're on the winning team. Don't get trapped. Don't let him tempt you off into something where, well, I tell you what, I'm not coming to church anymore. I, had, I just talked to a, a couple. They're, they're having some real struggles in their marriage. In fact, they're separated right now. And part of it is because specifically the wife, everywhere she goes, she causes strife in the church. And I thought it was funny because I was talking to the husband and he said, well, she's, she went back home to her home. 
the city she was from. In fact, it was the city they were met in. And she went back to the church that she'd been raised in her whole life and where they met. And she went back to the church. And the pastor said something that she didn't like. She said, I ain't never coming back to this church no more. You know the devil loves that. He's, he, he loves it. Because, listen, wherever you are in your life, you've got to understand there are core factors here. You can resist the devil. And the Bible says he will flee from you. In stark terror, the Greek says. He is afraid of you. <clears throat> he is afraid of the name of Jesus. So let me show you this real quickly before we're finished today. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. Now, if you go back to, to, to 1 Thessalonians, you'll find out that Paul wrote to them and told them about the rapture of the church. That there was coming a day when Jesus was going to come, there was going to be a shout of an archangel. The trumpet was going to blow, and pff, we're going to be taken out of here. Well, in 2 Thessalonians, he's writing to them because they think that the rapture happened, and they got left. So he's giving them some guidelines here so that they can understand that's not true. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Listen to what he said. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come. Now here it is. Listen to this. Unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. So there's something that's got to happen first. Before the Antichrist can be revealed. Before Satan's plans can even come close to what he thinks is fruition. There has to be, the, the, the King, New King James says, a falling away. But see, people have taken this and talked about it this way, okay? Oh yeah, there's going to be a great falling away. Everybody's going to leave. Nobody's going to be serving God anymore. That doesn't even make sense. When the whole time all Jesus ever talked about was harvest. Everywhere you read, Jesus is talking about a great harvest. James talking about a great harvest. The former and the latter reign together. The reason that that's confusing is because of the word falling away. The word in the Greek literally means, very simple, departure. Paul said, before the Antichrist can be revealed, there has to be a departure first. I love this translation. Listen to this. The Weiss translation says, I am requesting you, brethren, with regard to the coming and personal appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, because that day shall not come come except the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first. We're not even going to be here when this thing's finished. 
We're going to be gone. There, he's already talked about it. the departure of the church comes first. Now, here's the, here's the scripture I want you to hear. Listen to this. Listen to verse 6 and 7, 2 Thessalonians 2. Listen to what it says. Now you know, now you know, now you know what is restraining. Are y'all still with me? That he, the Antichrist, may be revealed in his own time. For this mystery of lawlessness is already at work. How many of you have noticed that? Yeah, it's at work, okay? Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. People say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not true because people get saved during, during this whole thing. And they can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the church. Listen to me today. You are the restraining force against darkness. You are the restraining force against the enemy. Don't get coupled with him. Get free so that you can stop and hinder anything that's contrary to God. Lake Charles can be better because of you. Because of your lifestyle and because of your prayers, Lake Charles can be better. You can restrain. You can hinder the enemy because of your lifestyle, because of your prayers. Simple. Two statements, I'm finished. Listen. Satan did not plan on Jesus becoming a man uncontrolled by him who could conquer anything Satan puts in his way. Satan, you know the Bible says that if the devil had really known what was going to happen, he would have never crucified Jesus. See, as long as Jesus was on the earth, he's just one man in one place at one time. But when he died, he multiplied. See, the other thing is this. Satan did not plan on having to deal with the body of Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's you. That's you. You Listen, in your family, in your workplace, wherever you are, you have influence for the kingdom of God. If you ever wonder why you walk into a place and somebody automatically is ugly to you and they're nice to everybody else, you know why? Because that spirit of lawlessness is working. And they recognize that there's something about you. You just smile, walk in love, and let the Holy Spirit nail them to the wall. Don't get in an argument. Don't get down on their level. Just let God work. Wherever you are in your life, you have influence. All you can, all you, I could tell you hundreds of times that I have prayed and God has supernaturally changed things. Before I even went in ministry, I was a sales manager for an for electronics company in Shreveport. And, and 
Everybody was against me. They, were all, they all mocked me because I prayed all the time. But before I left, listen to me, almost, not every person, but almost every person in that place got saved. I didn't lead them to the Lord. I just broke that restraining force. I'd come to work an hour early every morning and pray and walk, the, walk in that office and pray over them and pray over that place. You can't imagine what that'll do. So I want to encourage you today. He may be hidden in plain sight, but we just pulled down the curtain. These are core factors. These are core facts. And all you've got to do is understand, I'm going to live my life that way. And I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. And you'd be amazed at just doing that, what it can do. In your family. In your family. your family. What God can do in your life. Would you bow your heads with me?